This is Heather Vickery with the Brave Files podcast, and you are listening to Pop Goes Your World. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. And now it's time for our feature presentation. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 206, 1989 Pop Culture Fantasy Draft. Chris McBrien, along with Derek Myers, welcome to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Now, this week we're holding another pop culture fantasy draft. This time it's 1989. Uh, we're going to be holding a fantasy sports style draft where we each have to put together a team of three movies, three TV shows, three songs, and a personal pick, all from the year 1989. But before we get into that, and it's going to be fun, Derek. What is new in the world of pop culture for you in the last week? Well, I've had a chance to watch a couple of movies and watch a documentary. So let me tell you all about it. So first of all, I went into my Wayback Machine to the year 1981. Oh, I already like where this is going. And I visited our friend Burt Reynolds in one of the movies that he directed, Sharky's Machine. Oh, wow. Yes. So it was a cop movie from 1981. Right in the middle of his kind of string of doing kind of lighthearted stuff, he came out with this kind of gritty cop movie. Um, I know what I think about this movie. I'm very curious to know what you think about it and also how it held up for you. So, uh, like you said, it's an 80s cop movie. It, 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 it delivers exactly what you would expect from an 80s cop movie. I think Burt Reynolds was a little self-indulgent as the director. I think the movie could, could have been about 20 minutes shorter. No problem. Apparently, it's based on a very successful novel that came out a few yes, years earlier. Um, and, and it was really like leaning on the whole sort of film noir. So there's a lot of that. You know, I find with film noir stuff, it tends to be a lot of slow, like its pacing is very important. Mm-hmm. Um I thought it was okay. I, I had heard some really good things about it. So I had kind of higher expectations going in than you might at first expect. It was good, but I didn't think it was fantastic. But I think it was very much of its time. So with that in mind, you know, it, it was decent. I would certainly say, you know, it's worth a watch. Uh, clocking in a little over two hours. Like I said, I think it was a little bit on the long side. But uh, overall, I, I thought it was pretty decent. What uh, What do you think? We've talked about Burt Reynolds, you know, at length on this podcast many times. And the thing for me is, I think when you, if you only know him from Cannonball Run and, you know, uh, Smokey the Bandit and stuff like that, you know, you don't realize how good of an actor he was. He was actually a very talented actor. And I thought he was great in that movie. And as far as I'm concerned, I think that movie ranks up there maybe with... 48 hours and maybe even sudden impact as one of the better cop movies that I've ever seen. I thought it was fantastic. The only thing is I did have the opportunity to see it probably about five years ago now. And um, it's quite dated, especially the music and stuff in it. The opening uh, scene when it kind of pulls back, he's in Atlanta and he's walking around and the music they're playing. I'm like, yeah, the music's pretty dated, which is okay for me. Well, but I, mean, I mean, it is of its time. Yeah. So I, I don't, I didn't have an issue with that. Um, I think what bothered me a little more was just some of the 80s attitudes 
uh, and oh, sure. about like yeah. the, the relationships between men and women. Like yeah. the men were pretty despicable to the women in this movie, even the ones that they were supposed to be on the same side of. There was a lot of like men slapping around women, and there was you know certainly racial slurs that were pretty common at the time. But mm. you know that being of the not to forgive it, but being of the moment, understanding that that's sort of par for the course with these kinds of films. You know, like you said, yeah, it was it was a pretty decent sort of cop movie. I did like that his uh, his his partner uh, played by uh, Bernie Casey is from Revenge of the Nerds. He's the head yes. of Lambda Lambda Lambda. He was. So, yeah. So when I was telling somebody about this earlier this week, they're like, "Oh, what's it about?" And I said his partner was the guy from Lambda Lambda Lambda. They're like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "Yeah, I go, he was actually pretty good." He had a lot of good. UL out. Jefferson. Yep. Yeah. So yep, uh, no, it was, again, it wasn't. I wouldn't go out of my way to. Yeah. Uh, you know, track it down. But if you if you're like me and you've got the ridiculously large cable package and you see it in the lineup, it's certainly worth I throwing thought, on the PBR. I thought Henry Silva was really good in that as the villain. He was kind of like that coked up kind of hitman. You know, mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. he was really good. I thought there was some of the supporting characters in there were really, really good. I and the woman, that. the woman, the main female lead, Rachel Ward, Rachel who Ward. I, I wasn't familiar with her work yeah. at all. But man, she was beautiful. She oh, she was beautiful. Drop dead like, gorgeous. Yeah. And she, she had a bit of a career there for a while because she also did the Thornbirds. On, that was a TV uh, miniseries. I remember it. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't Richard watch it, but I remember it being a thing in the mid 80s. And then she was also in Against All Odds. With Jeff Bridges, which I never saw, but I, yeah. I am familiar with the film. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So anyway, that was the the first one I saw was 1981 Sharky Machine. Then I watched something brand new, just dropped on Amazon Prime in the last week or two. It's a movie called Queen Pins. So you've heard of a kingpin? These are queen pins. Yeah, never heard. And of it. it's uh, a pair of housewives who basically take couponing to the extreme, where they realize that if they can get their hands on some ridiculously good coupons for free stuff, they can then turn around and sell those coupons at a fraction of the price that the coupon is actually worth. So if a coupon was going to give you uh, diapers that are worth 50 bucks, they'll sell the coupon for 20 bucks. So the person buying the coupon still saves money and they get money for selling what's effectively a free piece of paper. And of course, they start making millions and millions of dollars and somebody eventually catches on that, hey, companies are losing big money on this and it becomes this whole thing. And it's sort of this... It's this lighthearted sort of comedy drama. Um, it stars uh, Kristen Bell, who most people probably know from the series Veronica Mars. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also stars Curry Howell Baptiste, who I, I don't remember seeing in other things, but a few of my friends were like, oh my God, she was in this and that and the other thing. These two female leads were fantastic. They did a great job. Supporting roles, you have Joel McHale uh, from Community, and uh, Vince Vaughn has a small supporting role as well. And uh, no, it was good. I mean, it's not getting great reviews, but it was a fun little movie. It again, it runs a little under two hours. It's uh, an hour and fifty minutes, but um, I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was pretty good, and I thought the performances were reasonable enough. And again, with with not a lot of new content coming out, when I saw the ad for it, I thought I'll give it a try. And and I I I really enjoyed it. So I would say check it out if you got Amazon Prime. Queen Pins just dropped nice. in the last couple of weeks. And then of course. I finally had a chance to go back and watch a documentary. For 40 days and 40 nights, he watches documentaries. He likes to learn about the world. It's Derek's Documentaries. Derek's Documentaries. Our producer, Sloth, is just right on the money with these drops. There you go. So what did you watch? All right, so I started watching a documentary series on Netflix that's called Money explained so it's five ep- the first season that just drops five episodes they're only 20 minutes 20 to 25 minutes an episode so they're very okay. short i managed to watch mm-hmm. the first three in one sitting earlier this week and it's this very interesting very frank look at various um 
money things in the society. So the first one was about um, financial scams. It gave you like the history of like wh- how did these begin and why do people fall for scams and and why are why do they continue to persist and why are they so successful? And what do you need to watch for and what are different kinds of scams? So again, very uh, I thought it was very interesting. The next one was all about credit cards and credit card debts and how to how to work your credit card and how the credit card companies really screw you over. The third one was about student loans and how uh, you know the changes of the laws over the last 30 years have really screwed with some people around their student loans and how you can borrow 75,000 to go to school but end up having to pay back 250,000 by the end because of loopholes and interests and deferments. And it, again, these are all based on uh, a US. So I think most of our listeners are in North America, probably Canada and the US. Uh, so some of this stuff being Canadian- I don't know, I, I, hear, it, I, actually, I, I hear we're really big in Germany. Oh, well, hey. We're moving up the charts in Germany, apparently. For Hey, welcome. Yeah. Welcome, German listeners. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, then the third one was about student loans. There's two more in the series. I haven't had a chance to watch yet. The next one's about gambling, which, you know, I'm all about gambling, so I'm looking like forward that. to that. Yeah. And then the last episode is about retirement and investing for retirement. Again, as someone who is not that far away from retirement and looking to retire sometime soon, I'm very interested in where these next two episodes are going. Um, again, they're very short. They're only like a little over 20 minutes. So it is very much the Coles Notes, Cliff's Notes version of this. It's uh, it's very uh, directed. It reminded me of like uh, a presentation you might get from uh, from a student where they're like, okay, today in class we're doing two 20-minute presentations on topic X. And so that was very much the feel of it, but they're very professionally done. They do a lot of good interviews with experts and and uh, people who who are uh, you know accredited experts in their fields, professors and investors and things of that nature. But they also talk about to people who have been taken in by some of these scams or or problems, and they talk about people who have really worked the system to their favor. So um, it just provides a lot of interesting perspectives in that sort of tight little soundbite. So it's on Netflix. It's called money explained and uh, it's really good i'm like you're gonna get through all five episodes in you know an hour and a half so uh, check it out cool i i got something for you so my youngest son and i we had an opportunity uh, to spend some time together over the weekend so we decided we we're gonna watch a movie together and he's been interested in in jurassic world and jurassic world fallen kingdom recently they're on like netflix or something like that okay so i'm like you know you need to go back and watch the original Jurassic Park from 1993. You know, like where it all began, Derek. And so a couple of things here I, I want to mention before I get into this. So first of all, this might actually surprise you, but I never saw Jurassic Park at the movie theater back when ne- it came out in ninety. Neither did I. Never saw yeah. it in the theater. I've only ever seen the movie on VHS. So this week, my son and I get together to watch it. And I watch it on Blu-ray on the 80-inch TV in 4K. Nice. Holy crap. Does this movie ever look amazing? <laughs> and, then, and going into it, my son was like, oh, Dad, this is an old movie. It's going to be all crappy. You know, the dinosaurs look so good in Fallen Kingdom. And I'm like, well, let's just watch and see, you know. Well, I forgot just how amazing the T-Rex scene in this movie is. You know, I don't, maybe it was the, the nostalgia, maybe it was the, the high definition, maybe it was the big screen or the mix of all of them, I don't know. But man, oh man, that scene gets done. My son, you know, who thinks the movie's going to be all old and crappy, right? He turns to me and he goes, can we turn this off? It's a little too scary for me. 
(laughs) (laughs) The the special effects are like 25 years old, uh, but they are a thousand times better than CGI that's out today. Like that movie is just amazing. It's amazing that the CGI is so good in that movie. Unbelievable. So anyway, that's what I was able to do this week. Oh, on to this. Here's your dad joke of the week. All right. Are you ready for one, Derek? It can't be worse than last week's, and hopefully we won't have to bleep this one out. So, yeah, uh, lay it on me, Chris. No. All right. A m- walks into a bar. Can you actually say that? Or will no, we, that's you got to bleep get, in your yeah, first so sentence, dude. We're getting bleeped out again. Okay, so <laughs> a m- walks into a bar and says, give me a beer. And the bartender says, no. And the m- says, why not? And the bartender says, because you're a little drunk. I don't really think that's a dad joke, but that was pretty funny. Well, see, the thing is, it's a joke from 1989. It was okay to say back then. But you know me, Derek, I'm the champion of Gen X pop culture. Simpsons did it. Simpsons did it. Yeah. Man, that Beyonce sure is hot. I'm already not comfortable where this is going, but okay. You've got male M-A-L-E. There we go. Very good. Okay. Jeez. Figure that one out on your own. You may have some explaining about your internet history. We did it in Canada first. I overlooked the obvious answer there. Half of you men run over to the town square and the others will run with mucus. Right, Derek, this week we are combining pop culture and fantasy sports, our two favorite things, my two favorite things anyway, into one. We're going to have a draft, and our year is 1989. Now, we have to draft a team of three movies, three TV shows, three songs, and then a personal pick. And then, of course, we send off our list to our esteemed panel of judges, and they hold a vote on who they on whose list that they think, you know, won the draft. And then we'll come back next episode, and we're going to announce the winner of the 1989 pop culture fantasy draft. So Derek, we've held three pop culture fantasy drafts so far. We did 1981, 1984, and 1985. So far, I'm 3-0 and with an overall vote tally of 21 to five. So this time, it was over to you to pick a year for us to draft from, and you decided to go with 1989. So before we start our draft, maybe you could, um, I don't know, just try to enlighten us a little bit. Why did you want to go with 1989? Well, I figured we needed to hit the opposite end of the spectrum. We did 81, yeah, which is okay. right at the beginning. I mean, obviously, 1980 is the beginning, but we went, we did 81 near the front, and we did those 84, 85, which I think most people would agree are sort of the sweet spots of 80s pop culture. Um, and then, so I felt we needed to hit the other end. We needed to go to the, to the more recent, to the newer. And in part, because I know you constantly talk about how, well, if it came out after 1989, I don't know anything about it. So This is true. I thought, you know what, when we did 1981, I was, I felt very much out of my comfort zone because I was still a really young little kid in 1981. So I had to rely very much on just my my homework and my research and, and things of that nature. In 1989 though, I was, I was a teenager. So by then I was very much into pop culture and this was right in my very formative pop culture years. So I really feel that with 89, I can I can relate on a personal level to so much of the of the movies, music, and television. And when it comes to personal pick, I'm gonna have like 20 different things to pick from. <laughs> um, that's not necessarily, you know, saying that I'm going to uh, win this draft. But I just I think I'm I feel a lot more relaxed and comfortable coming into the 1989 draft. So okay, 
That makes sense. And we gotta we gotta cover them all eventually, right? Yeah, so like, exactly. And and who knows? Like I'm like you and I have talked about. We could do the seventies. We could do the nineties. We could do the two thousand, two thousand tens. Well, whatever. Let's not get carried away. Let's let's do the eighties. We committed to the eighties. No, no. I mean, once we finish the eighties, I mean, sure, we'll, we'll finish them. But we could move on and do other ones. I mean, we're gonna be around forever. The way we're going. Okay, so in order to start this off, we need to determine who's going to go first. It's going to be a um, a back and forth sort of snake draft, as it were. We're just like in fantasy sports. You know, one of us will make a pick, and then once that pick is made, it's off the board. And you're under no obligation to pick your movies first, your TV shows, or your songs. You can pick, you pick them in any order. The only thing you have to do is your personal pick is your last pick. It's the tenth pick right. of the draft. So, right. you know, it all depends on who wins. So I'm going to do a little coin flip here. So I'm just going to do a coin flip. And Derek, I'm going to let you call it. What do you say? Tails. It is. It is Tails. Congratulations. Yeah. I, I was I was all joking right. before we went on to the recording here. And I said, like, in some of the years we've drafted, there's very much been a clear number one pick. And if you don't have it, chances of winning are, are slim and none. So, like, Ghostbusters, Back to the Future, like, those are huge movies. Without mm-hmm. those, good luck. And uh, this year, I didn't feel there was, like, silver bullet pick. So I was like, well, watch. I'm going to get that first pick in the year where... I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. So, well, you got the first pick in the first draft. Oh, and by the way, I should mention it wasn't really tails; it was a it was a loon. So, because I mean, we're in Canada, there's a loony that I'm flipping. So, the loon has a tail. We're good to go. There you go. All right. Okay. So, it's, so you get to start us off. You can pick whatever you want: movie, TV show, song. Of course, one thing I should mention about the rules: the the movie had to have come out in 1989. TV show has to have debuted in 1989, and a song has to be on an album that was released in 1989. So if a movie or if uh, an album was released in 88 and the song didn't, you know, wasn't released as a single until the next year, it does not count. So just keep that in mind and um, you can take us away. So where do you want to go? All right. Well, I'm going to start with the movie. Right. I'm going to go with one that I think is on everyone's mind, fan favorite. They watch it every year around December 25th. I'm going with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh. Oh, wow. It is, you know, and the funny thing is, Chris, so here's the thing, and I'm, I'm probably going to get hate emails for this. I don't really like Christmas Vacation. I saw it in the movie theater when it came out, and I didn't like it then, and I haven't liked it since, and I know it's something like every year at Christmas, people love it, and they watch it, and I don't know why, because I've never really liked it, and it is, part of doing the draft is strategy, too. And it's all where you rank everything. I had that ranked off of my list as a result. Yeah, I wasn't sure. And honestly, I, I'm, it's not, a a big good fan pick because I'm not a big fan of the movie either, but I, I know that it's a very popular pick. Um, so you want to pander to the judges too. And if the judges like this movie, you know, you're off to the races with that. So, yep. all right. right. So that's what's a good your number one pick. What do you pick? And what, what's so category over to me for my first pick? I've, I've usually stuck to a strategy, as you know, of picking movies. Because movies are usually, when it comes to pop culture, at least I think anyway, most people, when you think back of a certain year, you, you think of a the movie from that year. A movie just stands out, you know, in some way. So that being said, you know, TV shows and songs are still big, but I, I think I'm going to stick with my strategy and I'm going to go with uh, the movie to me that represented 1989 in every way possible, having lived through that year. And I'm going to go with Batman. Wow. So Batman is going to be my first pick. It is, uh, uh, you know, it was a huge, huge thing. And again, like I say, if you, if you go back to the time, man, Batman, I know the thing is with you, like you really like comic book movies, you know, which like, I'm not as much into those, but 
And I, like, up until this point, up until 1989, comic book movies weren't really a thing. I mean, there was Christopher Reeve's Superman in 78, but other than the Superman sequels, that was about it. And then along comes Batman. And the thing is, if you go back, like, this movie, when it came out, had a lot going against it. Tim Burton was like an odd choice for director. He'd done Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Beetlejuice up until then. And I mean, a lot of people were dead set against Michael Keaton playing Batman. You know, like he was the guy from Night Shift and Mr. Mom and Johnny Dangerously, you know? Like, how the heck's he gonna be Batman? And I think regardless of what you think of how this movie holds up against, you know, Avengers and all that stuff of, of today and all that crap, I think Tim Burton's Batman is very good. I mean, it, it was a sensation when it came out. Like, the branding was perfect. The Bat logo was everywhere. And another thing that I want to mention about this movie, um, which was completely new at the time, was its release on VHS. So, at the time, a movie would come out in theaters, and it would take years before it came out on VHS. Like, two, three, sometimes four years or longer. And the other thing was, and, and, and Derek, you can attest to this. I mean, you used to work at Blockbuster, so you know how this worked. When movies came out on VHS back then, they weren't priced to sell. They would cost like 200 bucks or some stupid amount like that. So video stores would buy them and they would make money by renting them out over and over again. And then along comes Batman and it was released in theaters on June the 23rd, 1989. And less than six months later, it was released on VHS and it only cost $24.95 to buy it. So needless to say, every house in North America had a copy of this movie at home. I just, I, this has to be the way I'm going to go. I'm going with Batman. So I actually, so I agree with uh, with all, all your stuff there about the video and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, interesting side note. I My copy of Batman, my VHS copy, actually won on a radio call-in contest. And so my Batman copy on the cover box says compliments of diet coke oh it was, <laughs> that's it was a problem yeah sure um, wow and and so just like you said national lampoons was not a uh, vacation christmas vacation was not on your list batman was not on my list either it wow. was my top six i i figured you were gonna take it and i just had a totally different strategy in mind so wow. it looks like we just sort of but you're a comic book movie kind of guy how do you well, how do you think batman ranks with all the other comic book movies that are out there in the basement. I don't wow, think it holds up really? at all. I think there's Batman fatigue. I mean, hey, believe me, Batman's my favorite character in comic books, but I, I think there's Batman the fatigue. Books. So I, I just didn't think it was the right pick for this draft. So, wow. all right. So I'm going to stick with Number one movie that year, too. Like, yeah, no, okay. I know, but I'm going to stick with movies as well. Okay. And I'm going to go with the movie I was sure was going to be your number one pick. And I'm going to go with Do the Right Thing. Ooh, very good. Yes. Very good. I mean, that movie was it was special. I think if it would have slipped through, I probably would have plunked it down into my personal pick because, I mean, I really like that movie a lot. Um, did you see the movie when it first came out? Like, I didn't see it in the movie theater when it first came out. Uh, the first time I saw it was on VHS. But um, that movie is very very influential we did we covered it here you and i covered that movie. yep we that was the first time i ever saw it was for the podcast oh, and no. honestly i i wasn't a big fan of it i i think i i just honestly i didn't get it and i think that really speaks to the the privileged upbringing i had i just i i had a lot of problems sort of just identifying with some of the characters so i mean from a, from a meta point of view then? i could pick it 
because it's I know how influential it is uh, mm -hmm. in pop culture. I know how many people hold it in tremendously high esteem. And from an artistic perspective, it's it's, it's fantastic. I mean, the creative process behind this is fantastic. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's 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 like when you're drafting for a, a sports draft, it's like, well, I might not like this player, but hey, if they're the most proficient player on the on the ice or on the field, you, you got to pick them for your team. And again, although I may not love do the right thing or I may not even love Christmas Vacation I felt those were my number one number two movies so I had to jump on them so this draft is not going the way I thought it was going to go um, good good which That's is good. good I mean this is where you got to pivot and stuff like that um, I'm going to stick with the movie as well and it wasn't a huge hit when it came out um, in fact if you look at the box office the domestic US box office from that year my movie my next movie was actually finished 23rd you know, at the box office with $449 million domestically. But I think this movie has endured. And for me, and I think for the judges, and I think for nostalgic people out there, it remains one of the most popular movies from 1989. And that's Major League. I think this movie's held up. Uh, we went back and reviewed it on the podcast here. Uh, it's, you know, it's funny. It's got a great cast. I, th I think a lot of people are nostalgic for it, and I think it's going to play well with the judges. I'm going to go with Major League as my second movie pick. I'm going to pencil that in. Okay. That's, a, that's a, another movie pick that was not on my list. Wow. Wow. I, I, so I we are having an interesting list. draft here. I, so, okay, in all fairness, it is on my list. So I made a list of like 10 or 15 movies, and then mm -hmm. I ranked my top six because my three and your three. So both Batman and Major League are on my list, but neither of them made my top six. Interesting. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna pivot right over to music then because I'm yeah. not I'm not gonna wrap up the movie category mm -hmm. now, and uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, this is this this is uh, uh, another '80s draft where I'm gonna pick a song from an artist I picked in my number one slot on a previous draft, and I'm going with Madonna, "Like a Prayer." Oh, that's a good that's a good one. I mean, what can you say? Madonna, the Material Girls, she owned the '80s as far as music, as far as videos, as far as influ like she was influential on people. She was influential on women. She was, you know, girl power to the extreme. Y you can't say enough good things about Madonna, especially in the '80s. She uh, she was a force to be reckoned with. And I mean, like a prayer, there was the whole controversy with the video and the Pepsi sponsorship. Yeah. And uh, you know, after coming off of hit album after hit album, she puts out Like a Prairie. You're like, is she going to do another hit album? My God, did she do another hit album? Yes. So, Like a Prayer. I'm taking the, I'm taking the, the title track from the, All from right. the album. All right. My so you're getting into songs. And the thing was, at that, by the time that 89 came around, Madonna was already like a pretty huge international star. And oh, yeah. the thing was, she shifted gears a bit there in the late 80s because she had a she had a little bit of success as an actress she appeared in a movie called Desperately Seeking Susan which is actually right. a really really good little movie um, there's a lot going on thematically in that movie I remember I studied in, in film school actually like there's I remember there was feminism and there was male identity and themes like that were explored in it and it was a commercial success as well and it was in 1985 it finished like in the top five you know at the box office so so Madonna decides, hey, I'm going to start to focus less on music and I'm going to focus a little bit more on, on my movie career at this point. And she did Shanghai Surprise in 86 and then Who's That Girl in 87. And both of them were dumb, right? And and they were, they were flops. So then she decided, okay, well, this isn't working out. So she decided to focus back on music. And like you said, you could argue that it, her refocusing on music resulted in some of the best work of her career. Um, so yeah, I think like a prayer, oh man, that, that, that's a great pick. 
You know, it was, that's to me where she kind of went away from being a pop star and, and being, and became like a quote unquote artist. Yeah. You know, the song's I, I, that's, good. That's true. You're right. The video was good. Like the, the themes of religion and race are in there. It was, it was really controversial. Yeah, no, no, I, I think you're right. No, that's, that's a good one. I like it. Um, okay. So I'm going to actually, I'm going to go to TV at this point, I think. Um... Yeah, I'm going to go to TV because this came out in 1989. And I mean, we've, we, this is where we struggle sometimes on, with this draft. With TV shows that debut in a certain year, but they're thought of as being like enduring and taking place later. But the TV show that did debut in 1989 and it did end as being one of the biggest shows of the 90s, and that's Seinfeld. So I'm going to go yeah. with Seinfeld. Chris, that was my very next pick. Yeah. I was either going to do Seinfeld yeah. or Like a Prayer, and I opted for the music. So that's a good pick. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Seinfeld. Okay, so uh, again, I think people think of it as the 90s. Yeah. You know, because it went all through the 90s, and then it ended in like 99. But it debuted in 89, so therefore it qualifies. So I, I got to go with Seinfeld. Okay, yep. over to you, my right. friend. I'm going to stick with music. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm gonna. This is, this is a pick for Yancey. Going with Tom Petty, Free Falling. Oh, that's a great pick. That is a great that, pick. Uh, that Tom Petty album that came out in 89, um, uh, Full, was Full Moon Fever, I think it was called? Yeah. Fantastic. It had like at least four or five big hit songs on it. Um, it was super good. I, I, honestly, I was struggling with which song to pick from that album. But uh, no, I think Free Falling is the way to go. The thing was, he was always a popular musician, Tom Petty. Oh, yeah. But he wasn't like huge. And then he was in the Traveling Wilburys right around this time, if you remember. And then it seemed yep. like he was sort of instantly considered musical royalty, you know, by mainstream audiences because of that. I don't know. But uh, yeah, this 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 album came out in, in 89. It was like October of 89. And the thing was, when it came out, it wasn't a massive hit. Like this song, I think, peaked at number seven on the charts. So, but it was his biggest hit of his career. So the thing was, for yeah, me, I like, thought so too. It's the that, intro. Was, that was part of the reason I picked it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, honestly, on that album, I won't back down is my favorite Tom Petty song on that album, but Free Fallen's a very, very close number two. And it definitely, when you, I think if you ask people, like, what's your, what's your favorite Tom Petty song? Like, for not like, like your average person, I think this is the one they're going to pick, Free Fallen. Like I say, the intro with those F and C chords, like, it's just so memorable. You know, it's instantly recognizable. So I think that's something that's going to resonate with the judges. So that was a good pick. And and once again, I'm kind of taking a look at this on the on the sheet here. You you always seem to sew up music really, really well. Oh, what am I going to do here? I got to take a look at my list here. Okay, I think. I think I'm going to go back to TV. Okay, and because you always kill me on songs anyway. You know music so much better than I do, even though I'm the singer. <laughs> of the two of us. <laughs> is, there, is there quotes around that? Yeah, definitely, singer? Definitely, definitely a tongue-in-cheek there. I'm going to go with a show that um, debuted in 1989 and is still on the air today. So I think it's going to resonate with people. It is the longest running scripted show in the history of the United States and that is The Simpsons. Nice. So I'm going to go with The Simpsons. All so right. I had The Simpsons on my list. Yeah. I had them as my number six because for exactly the reasons we just talked about earlier, 
it's one of those shows that although it debuted in 89, I don't think people associate it as a show of the 80s from the 80s. I think it really hit its stride in the mid to late 90s. And so as yeah. much as it has that enduring quality and it's obviously still on the air and has had its peaks and valleys as far as, you know, quality of the of the show, I really felt that it was a mistake to pick it too early in the TV. Mm -hmm. And honestly, if you had not picked TV right now, I was probably going to pick it just to try and like pick a safe pick. So knowing you now have Simpsons and Seinfeld, which Seinfeld was my number one and Simpsons was my number six, I got a little bit of room to play with. So I'm also going to TV. And we've we've seen that before, like you said, like yeah. we've we've picked shows that debuted, but then they're known for like enduring. I think Jeopardy was one you did. Yeah, you picked it I, in '84, but it's it's known for enduring. So as a result, the judges didn't resonate with it. So yeah. I'm taking a risk with so, it. So, and I think I think unfortunately I think for all of our '89 shows. They're all going to be considered 90s or later because most of them probably debuted in September or October of 1989. Of course, yeah. So they didn't find their legs until at no. least 90. Most shows. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick one right now that again I think really sort of found its legs in the 90s, but um, might resonate well with the judges. I'm gonna go with Saved by the Bell. <laughs> nice. So since you took away Do the Right Thing as my personal pick, I was gonna go with Saved by the Bell as my personal pick. So you, 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 you scooped that one from me. So you sniped me on that one. That's a good one. And and the thing was, do you remember the name of Saved by the Bell when it first debuted? It wasn't called Saved by the Bell. Honestly, I never liked the show. My brother watched it. I never watched it. I don't care for it. So far, I've got a bunch of stuff. My music songs I love, the TV and movies I pick, meh. So no, I have no idea what's the answer to your question. It was, when it originally came out, um, it actually had uh, Hallie Mills. Yeah, Hallie Mills was the teacher. That She I was a teacher and it was called Good Morning Miss Bliss. That was the name of the show. And then they changed it. They, they uh, There was, um, Zach was in it. And I want to say that Screech was in it. And I think Lisa was in it. And that was it. And then they pivoted and they called it Saved by the Bell. And they, they added in um, Slater and um, and Kelly and sure. Jesse. I, I never so. watched the show. I don't know. I, yeah. Zach, that's the only guy. And Screech. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know anybody else. Oh, man. What am I going to do here? I think I need to at least take a song at this point. I think I better so get on the board here. I'm going to be in big trouble. So the thing is, in 1989, rap was starting to really take hold with mainstream audiences. And, you know, I think a lot of people point to the collaboration between Aerosmith and Run DMC as kind of the point in time when rap went mainstream. And I think the remake of Walk This Way was, was a... It was a major moment for rap, let's be honest. But I think you could argue that the song that had the biggest influence on bringing, bringing rap to the mainstream listeners was Young MC's Bust a Move. So I'm going to go with nice. that. It was, it was yep. non-offensive, you know, it was like non-threatening. It's just, just what mainstream audiences, you know, just what white America needed, you know. So it's unfortunate that that's what it took to bring rap to the end you know, the mainstream, but it's just a reality. So I'm going to go with Bust a Move. So I, I think yeah. it's in, when I think back to 89, like that was like a, a major song at the time. So I'm going to go with Bust a Move. You know That's saying? a good pick. I, I had that on my, again, my yeah. song list is much longer than my TV and my movie lists. And that is definitely on my list. But again, mm -hmm. it didn't quite make my top six, but it could have made it in for my personal pick. So mm -hmm. uh, that, I think that's a good pick. Uh, I don't know if necessarily that's your best first pick, but I think that's yeah. going to help. I think it's going to help your overall list. I think so. All right. I'm going back so. to TV. All right. I got two movies, two songs, 
And I don't want to wrap up either of the other categories because then that'll just give you a free pass. So I'm going to go back to TV. Yeah, that's a smart move. Again, sometimes you got to, you know, you got to be very strategic, you know, in the draft. So again, another show that I think people might remember as being more in the 80s, even though it debuted in 89. But when you ask people like, when did this show come out and when was this show popular? People are going to go, oh, totally in the 80s, even though it really was more than 90s. But I'm going with. Doogie Howser, MD. Ooh, that's a good one. That was definitely on my list. So, yes, that's a good one. Doogie Howser, MD. I, I think about, about that one as being kind of 90s. But, you know, no, that's that's a good one. And I think it's, I think it will play well with the judges because it's a, it's nostalgic in a lot of ways. And especially the fact that, that the actor has maintained. Neil Patrick Harris, he's done uh, How I Met Your Mother and stuff like that. And so I think, yeah, I think that that's a good pick. I like that. Okay, so right. now now we got to get strategic. So you've got, so you two, got two movies. movies. You have two movies, two TV, and one song. You're gonna yeah. wrap up movies or TV? You're gonna go with the second song pick. Oh man, I'm really struggling here. I just need a minute. Is the clock ticking <laughs> on me? Um. All right, I'm gonna go back to songs. I think because I need another song here. <laughs> um, Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Here, I'm going to maybe go on a little bit of a tangent here. Yeah, I'm going to go with Love Shack. Oh, that was next on my list. That's a good pick. Yeah, I think that's the way I want to go. The the funny thing is, when this song came out, I remember this song came out, it it wasn't all that popular. Like, it was on the album Cosmic Thing. It was released on June 27th of 1989. And, and if you think about it, like the band had been around for a while. They were they were pretty well known oh, yeah. because they had Rock Lobster back in 78. Right. And then their guitarist, Ricky Wilson, died um, from complications of AIDS back in 85. And it looked like the band was done, like they were going to, you know, just call it quits. And then they rejigged and in 89. They, you know, they they had success with this album. Now, this album also had the single Rome on it, which which is a really good. I song. like that song, too. It yeah. is really good. I like it. But Love Shack is their anthem. You know, it yeah. It only made it to number three on the U.S. chart. So, I mean, it wasn't a, like a massive hit with audiences. But I think when you look back, and that's what this is all about, and when you think about songs that have endured and, and those that give you that nostalgic sort of fondness for the year 1989, I think you got to include Love Shack. So, oh, that's in my pick. Yeah. It, it was in my top six. It wasn't my very next pick, mm-hmm. but it was, you know, you know, like, We've done sports drafts and you have your list and then you look at two or three down and you go, oh, I kind of like that player better. Love Shack for me was that one. It wasn't next, but I could see it coming up on the list. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to pick Love Shack mm-hmm. if it's still around. So that's a good pick. All right. I'm going to sew up mm. the movie category. Okay. Oh, man. Well, maybe, hang on. Maybe I should go back to the music category. Do you, How many music? You got two music? Yeah, I've got, we, so at this point, we both have two movies, two, two, and two. two TV shows and two songs. Okay. Uh, and my songs are Free Fall on Tom Petty and Like tune, a Prayer and Like a okay so those are strong picks uh, alright no see I don't I don't think you're going to take my music so I think I might have to go back over here oh man this is this is the toughest part of the draft okay I am going to go with movies and I'm going to stick with my drafting I'm going to take my number three pick because it's still on the board no, I know you're not going to take this though. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call in an audible here. I'm gonna take the Little Mermaid. Oh wow, wow! Which I don't think was probably on your list, but again, it wasn't think, even on my list. I, I didn't no, have I know. a film on my list, so no, I know, I know. 
That was a big Disney hit, though. It really it was, was a huge Disney it hit. Was, it, it was, was like massive. the you know it brought back their animation studio. You know, it was mm-hmm. they, they got the Little Mermaid, then you had the Lion King. You know, it's like you had Aladdin. It was like they all, it was sort of like rebooted their their animation franchise. So no, I think that's where I got to go with this. Okay, that's good. So I've got so I I could either get a movie or TV show or a song. Okay, so I don't need to take a movie. I can leave that because you've already sewn up movies. So that right. would just be waste so, to pick at that point. So well, can... that's what I was like. Well, I think, yeah. So. And with TV shows, I could go, I'm happy. I've got two on here. Oh, jeez, I've actually got more than that. Oh, that I, I could be happy with either one. So I think I've got to go to songs because I don't, you know me, I'm not, uh, I don't yep. have all the songs. Uh, yeah, I got to go with songs. All right. I mentioned uh, a rap song for my first pick. I'm going back to the well. I'm going with Funky Cold Medina. And it was released on January the 23rd of 1989 from the album Loked After Dark. So it was uh, a tone loke, obviously. Yeah, I'm, I'm, calling a, I'm calling a judge's challenge on that mm-hmm. one because mm-hmm. I believe the album came out in 88. Because I looked at that one too. And uh, I'm pretty sure it was 88, but we'll double check it here. Let me look it up real quick. Please do, because I'm going to double check this because I am sure that it came out in January of 1989. The song might have, but I'm pretty sure the um, I'm pretty sure the uh, the album came out before that. So let's double check it here. I made the same mistake on one of the previous ones where I I tried to call something that had come out uh, in a different year here. Hold on a minute. Oh, no, it's saying it came out in 89. Yeah, Loked After Dark. I'm just looking it up as well. And it was released in 1989. So I'm good to go. All right. Love this song. I looked that up last night. Oh, you know what I looked up? I looked up uh, the single Wild Thing came out in 88. That's why I got confused. Okay. You're good. Funky Cold Medina. Funky Cold Medina by Tone Loke is what I'm going with. And the thing was, lots of things to like about this song. It uses the guitar riff from Hot Blooded by Foreigner. Which, which was also used in a great episode of WKRP when Les Nessman puts on the curly wig to go on the date with Jennifer. So that song has always stuck with me. Um, and this song also samples a drum beat from Funkadelic. And kind of like I was talking about with Busta Move, this, it just came out at the perfect time. You know, mainstream audiences still weren't 100% embracing rap, you know? So, so what better way to get the masses involved they're doing it through a catchy song with some funny lyrics about an aphrodisiac that even makes dogs go into heat. <laughs> you know? it, it went as high as number three on the Billboard charts. Um, and I got to tell you, as a former DJ, Derek, this was one very popular song back in the day. If you were transported in time back to 1989, you'd probably be up and be up and dance into this song at some point. So funky, cool, Medina, toe loke, baby. Don't well. Well, unfortunately, I didn't have Tone Loke on my list because for some reason I had it in my mind he was 1988. So would way you to have sneak taken him, taken that song. I would have taken Wild Thing over Funky Cold Medina, but oh, no, really? I have a lot of see, other. I think Wild stuff. Thing confuses people because I think when people just see it, you know, Wild Thing on a piece of paper on the list, they're like, "Is that like, you know, Wild Thing by the Trogs? Is that a remake? Yeah. You know, like uh, I think Funky Cold Medina is the way to go." So, and you already have uh, Major League on your list, so you've already got Wild Thing covered there. Yeah, that's true. There you go. Yeah. Number 99. All right. Wow. So uh, I've got three movies. You've got three songs. So we can just stay out of each other's ways on those lists. So TV is the way to go. And I was really hoping you're going to go TV because I really wasn't sure what to pick next. Mm-hmm. So hmm. 
I'm going to go with, oh, man. Again, it shows that debuted in 89 that ran long into the 90s, and you're just mm. like, do people remember this as an 80s thing? So I'm just going to go. This is a strictly by the numbers thing. This is a show that was very popular with a lot of people, despite what they might have once said. I'm going with Baywatch. That would have been my pick. So good for you. Good for you. That's yeah, what I, I was going to so, pick next. So, so I mean, two of my three shows, Saved by the Bell and Baywatch, were shows that I didn't watch, didn't really care for. Doogie Howser, I sort of remember watching, but I, again, I don't really remember it fondly. Like, oh my god, I got to go back and rewatch it. So, I got three TV shows on my list that I'm just like, meh. So, anyway, all right. So you've got free run of your categories. Uh, you make the call. Hmm, what am I going to do here? So do I go to, I could go either way. You got to get a song. Yeah. So at least we're out of each other's way. I think I'll, I think I'll just, I, it doesn't matter. So I'm going to go with my TV show, I guess. I got to go with one. This is, you, people think of this more of being the nineties, but I think, and I kind of like the show. Like I didn't really, I watched it from time to time. It wasn't a huge deal. And this was actually a spinoff. Because remember back in the 70s, they had spinoffs all the time. And in the 80s, they didn't have so many spinoffs, but there was Perfect Strangers. Remember that? We mentioned that the other, the other yeah. week. Yeah, Dr. Bertakamus from the island of Mipos. Exactly. It had a, actually, it spun off a show. And it was more popular in the 90s because Urkel is on it, but it's Family Matters. So I'm going to go with Family Matters. It debuted on September the 22nd, 1989. Uh, went all through the, uh, the the 90s. And and the thing is, too, it also had, um, oh, what was the guy's name in it? That was, uh, the, he was in, um, oh, Re- Reginald Vell Johnson. He was in yeah. um, Die Hard. Die Hard. So, no, I, I think this is going to play really well. So, Family Matters is the way I'm going. So, yeah. Nice. It's a pretty good pick. All right. All right. Uh, so, I need a song. You need a song, which is really weird for you, because normally you sew up music early. All right. Sorry, what do you need? You need a movie? I need a movie. That's it. Okay. And then my personal pick, so, which I'm really I mean, struggling with. Honestly, you, you for songs, mine, so. I, I've got sort of three picks that I've been toying with, and I was kind of hoping you might take one of them to help me narrow it down. I'm looking at, you know what? I think I'm going to narrow it down to two now. So it's either, my instinct is telling me to pick Millie Vanilli, Girl, You Know It's True, which was a oh, massive hit in 1989, yeah, but really there's the stigma of the whole Millie Vanilli thing. So mm-hmm. I kind of don't want to pick it. The other one I'm looking at is Janie's Got a Gun by Aerosmith, which mm-hmm. was a massive hit, huge hit from their Pump album, which was phenomenal. And I'm sort of torn between them. And they were literally my number three and four picks coming up next on my list. Oh, again, do I just go with my three or do I switch the order and call the audible? I think, what do I have? I have Tom Petty and Madonna. I think I got to go with Millie Vanilli. Girl, okay. you know it's true. Millie oh, Vanilli. Wow. All right. That's I'm my number that three. In. Girl, you know it's true. My Millie Vanilli. All right. So I got to pick a movie here. Yes, so I think do. if I pick a, oh, what am I going to do here? I, I think it's important also to take into account the movies that were successful with critics. And if you think about the movie that won the best Oscar, like the best picture Oscar this year, I think I got to go with it. And it's still sitting out there. So I'm going to go with Driving Miss Daisy. I was going to say, I don't even know what won the Oscar that year. Driving. Yeah, Driving Miss Daisy won Best Picture in 1989. And so I'm going to use that as my third movie pick. Okay. Wow. Yep. Did, it literally did not even have it on my list. Yeah. So, and so, okay, so I need a personal pick, right? Yes. Over to you okay. for your personal pick. All right. So 
let me just talk about your movies for a minute here. So I, uh, one of the things with the movies in 89 is this was a year that had a remarkable amount of sequels. Like a ridiculous yes. amount of sequels. Yes, when right. I was putting together my list, I was like, I don't really want to pick a sequel unless it was like a spectacular sequel. And it was a lot of like part twos and part threes for movies that were like the first one was great. And the second one was just eh, OK. So I tried to leave those off my list, even though, like, say, for example, Lethal Weapon 2. I love Lethal Weapon and I love Lethal Weapon 2. I thought it was a great sequel, but I don't know. It was kind of hard to pick a lot of these sequels. So I left the sequels off the list as much as I could. But I might have to pick a sequel for my personal pick. <laughs> so well, I think they, they I'm were gonna, popular. So. Yeah. And as much as with the music, there was a lot of good songs. I, I'm, uh, you know, uh, like I'm looking at like Bat Dance by Prince was a great song. But I'm like, you already have the Batman movie. And I don't necessarily think that that personal pick would would sway things one way or the other. So. As much as we need a personal pick that is meaningful to us, I think I also want to try and pick a personal pick that's going to speak to the judges. So I think I need to go to movies from 1989. I think I have to go with the sequel from 1989. I think I have to go with arguably what was the most successful sequel from 1989. And in some people's mind, not mine, in some people's minds, I think the sequel might have, in some people's minds, been better than the original. And I'm going with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah, that's a good pick. I remember I saw that movie in the theater when it came out, and you know there is, like, no bigger fan of Raiders of the Lost Ark in this world than me. Mm-hmm. And and I've heard the same argument that you have. There are some people that think uh, this movie was the best, you know, of the original trilogy, at least. I didn't think so. I thought it was, I don't know. It just didn't work for me. I don't know if it was the some of the religious overtones. Like, just something about the movie just didn't click for me. Um so yeah, see, I can see where, where you like, and it was it was the number two grossing movie at the yeah. I mean, it, it made it a huge. ridiculous amount of money. And honestly, I mean, as much as I love 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 Raiders of the Lost Ark in my top five all time favorite movies, just like you, like it, 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 Raiders is such a phenomenal movie. Indiana Jones, I think, in the Last Crusade, I think, is sort of overshadowed by Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like for any other movie maker. If this was the only movie they ever made, or if this was their first movie, like this would be their best movie of their of their career. Like it was so good. There was so much like about it. You have James Bond introduced as the dad of mm-hmm. Indiana Jones. Like I felt that that was there a bit is contrived. so much to like. About I felt that it. was no, contrived. But I, think that's I don't know. Perfect. Yeah. And and as much as Raiders of the Lost Ark does have that rewatchable quality, I think you needed to get from Raiders of the Lost Ark to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which was the third movie in the in the franchise. The second movie we, we don't really talk about because it wasn't great. But by then, Spielberg really knew what he wanted to do with this franchise. And Harrison Ford just totally got the character. Not that he didn't get it in the other ones, but just like, they're so comfortable. It's, it, you know, it's like in Raiders, they were rookies and now they're coming in with that swagger. Like, yeah, we know how to do this. So this movie for me, I mean, I saw it in the theater a bunch of times. I remember when it came out, it was a huge hit. I remember going to see it over and over again in the theater. I've probably seen it 25 times or more in my life. If it's on TV, I'm watching it. There is so much to like about this movie. It is, I I mean, I think if I had to pick, outside of Empire Strikes Back, if I had to pick a sequel to go on my all-time favorite movie list, like this would probably be the sequel after Empire that would make my list. 
it's definitely one of my one of my favorites. I, I got feel, I got to take I feel like I need to go back and watch this movie because I love Raiders and I've seen Raiders like umpteen million times. And even the second one, Temple of Doom, I've seen multiple times and I thought it was like you know it wasn't great. It wasn't the greatest, you know, follow-up ever. It wasn't a great sequel, but it was entertaining and I watched it over and over and I liked it. But this movie I've only ever seen once. I saw it in the movie, wow. movie theater and I never had a desire to see it again. I just something about it. I don't know. So interesting. 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 Okay. So then we just got to do my personal pick here. I'm going to go to a movie as well. And, and, and anyone that has known me for any length of time knows that there's, there's a few things that I like in life, pop culture, movies, and baseball and fantasy drafts. I knew so, you were going to pick this. I'm like, this so has got to be his personal My personal pick. pick has to be from 1989, Field of Dreams. Like I just, it, it was going to be one of my top movies, and just the way the draft played out, it didn't didn't fit in there. So, uh, Field of Dreams is my personal pick. Oh God, that movie is so good. And even the thing is, even if you don't like baseball, you would like this movie because it's a great story, and yeah. it's it's got so much going on. And it. it's not just about baseball. It's it's a and it's not it's kind of a fantasy in a way. But I mean, there's just so much going on there, and I know. The criticism of the film has always been, you know, the end is kind of cheesy, you know, just have a catch no, with your the dad. end is but, great. You need I that ending it. to wrap up the movie. Yeah. No, this is such a good movie. I love it's it. such a feel-good movie. It makes you cry. You know, you love it. You hate it. Well, you don't hate it, but I mean, it's it's so great. And but the characters I mean, along the way when he goes oh. to see Terrence Mann and he's like, get out of my house. And yeah. like, it's all just so good and Moonlight Graham and stuff. Oh, it's just, it, the whole thing is just, it's almost perfect. And I think one of my favorite things that I, I remember about it isn't the have a catch part. It's like the, there's a, there's a line in it when he says, is this heaven? And he's no, like, no, it's Iowa. No, it's Iowa. I don't know. There's just something about that. It just, it lets you realize that the most quote unquote mundane place in the world, the most boring place you might think can be the most special place in the world I, that, that movie is fantastic so for me it, it wraps up everything that I want baseball and nostalgia and everything and so Field of Dreams is the perfect personal pick for me yeah, here. it's a good so, pick so anyway. actually so speaking of we yeah. talked about video cassettes earlier with my Batman yeah my Field of Dreams video cassette mm-hmm. says compliments of McDonald's because for a while McDonald's was if you got your Big Mac combo there was like one of four videos you can purchase for a dollar and Field of Dreams was one of them, and I didn't own it at that point. And I remember going to McDonald's specifically to purchase the VHS of Field of Dreams as an add-on to my Big Mac combo. So Nice. I'm actually looking forward to sometime very, very shortly showing this movie to my sons because they haven't seen oh, it yet. Yeah. And especially oh, my oldest son, he really likes baseball, and he's a baseball player, so I think he'll definitely enjoy it. And there's nothing really in it that's inappropriate, so I think we'll be good to go. No, it's, it's pretty good. So, Chris, you want to recap our lists yes. for the listening audience, please? Quick recap for us. Okay, so you want me to do, like, my full list and then your full list? Yeah, I do your full list and then my full list. Okay, so on my list, my movies are Batman, Major League and Driving Miss Daisy. My TV shows are Seinfeld, The Simpsons, and Family Matters. And my songs are Bust a Move by Young MC, Love Shack by the B-52s, and Funky Cold Medina by Tone Loke. And my personal pick is Field of Dreams. Your list, Eric. Your movies. Christmas Vacation, Do the Right Thing, and The Little Mermaid. And your TV shows are Saved by the Bell, Doogie Howser, MD, and Baywatch. 
and your songs are Like a Prayer by Madonna, Free Fallen by Tom Petty, Girl You Know It's True by Millie Vanilli, and your personal pick is Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Now we have, we expanded our court. We used to have seven judges, as you know, and we've now expanded to nine judges. Do you want to take a, let me just try and take a guess here. What, how do you think this is going to shake out? And, and what do you think that the, the vote will be? Do you think you're going to win? And if so, by how much? Uh, so this is the draft that I feel the most conf- outside of the very first draft. This is the one I feel the most confident in. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, um, I think you might've edged me on TV a little bit, depending on how the judges feel about the very long running the Simpsons. But if they overlook that and don't feel it's an eighties pick, I think I've got a very, very good shot. I think, I think I, beach in the movies i think i beach in the songs uh personal picks are both pretty strong but i think i'm gonna win and i think i'm gonna win by uh, a difference of two votes so you think it's going to be there how many judges we got now 11 yeah so you think it's gonna be so what do i need six i think it's yeah. gonna be uh eight no i think it's gonna be six to three you think it's gonna be six sure to three in your no that'd be six to i think it's gonna be six to no that's only nine yeah there's nine there's nine judges now oh then yeah i think six three i think that's how it's gonna shake out all right um, I'm not quite as confident for you here. And I'm looking at the big picture here and I'm looking at the lists. And I've been pretty confident when I walk away from these drafts in the past. I don't think I've ever felt more confident. I think I may able to be able to do a clean sweep here and go 9-0 and on you. Oh, not a chance. That's what I'm thinking. No way. <laughs> My music picks are way too strong for that. There's no way you're going 9-0. and I don't know. I think it's going to be very interesting. But uh, anyway, time now to have some fun with Caveman. Okay, Derek. So I'm going to give you some trivia from 1989. See how much you remember that year. Okay. Because we always do this. So I mentioned this. How I want to really basically see at this point, how well were you listening when we were talking about this? What movie took home the top prize with the Academy Award for Best Picture? In 1989. Well, I'm glad we did the trivia after the draft because I would have had no idea. It was Driving Miss Daisy, apparently. Yes, you didn't know that. Okay, I got a follow-up question for you, though. Can you name any of the other four films nominated for Best Picture that year? <laughs> Probably not. Can you give me a second? Uh, no, four I can't other movies, even... just got to name one of them. Just no, I honestly, I have no idea. Born on the 4th of July. Never saw it. Dead Poets Society. Saw it once. My Left Foot. Saw it once. And Field of Dreams. Oh, Field of... Really? Field of yeah. Dreams is nominated for Best nominated Picture? Nominated for Best Picture, yep. It was a great movie. Wow. All right. Batman led the box office in 1989 with $251 million. Yeah. The number two and three movies that year were both sequels. You've mentioned yep. sequels already. Can you name yep. both of them? Uh, well, it was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That was number two. What was the number three movie at the box office here? Mm, I want to say Lethal Weapon 2. Very well done. Okay. What was the most popular toy at Christmas of 1989, Derek? Got to think by 89, it was probably something video game related. I'm going to say the Game Boy. Well done. It was yeah. a good game. Yeah. All right. Here's a follow-up question. Within $10, Derek, how much did a Game Boy cost to purchase 
in the U.S. in 1989? $90. You got it within one cent. It was $89.99. I was going to say it was one way. I was either $89 or $99. I thought I'll go with $90 and that'll cover me on both directions. So the TV shows that we mentioned in the draft tonight, Derek, these were shows that were that debuted in 1989. However, like we talked about, most TV shows take a few years to kind of hit their stride, yep. right? Before they get a huge following. So therefore, the popular TV shows, you know, of, of any year really, are usually shows that have been around for a while. So in 1989, two shows tied for the number one uh, in the ratings. For the for the year, can you name the two shows? Uh, I'm gonna guess the Cosby Show. That was one, and there was another mm. show that tied with it with a 23.1 Nielsen rating. They were both tied. Well, that was the other show. Okay, let me let me talk this through. I know that football and 60 Minutes are always big ratings hits, but I don't think either of them would have been number one in 1989. I'm thinking it was probably Cheers. <laughs> Roseanne. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, I would not have. I would not have got that. All right. Which TV show won the 1989 Emmy for Outstanding Comedy Series? Uh, ooh, it's probably one of the two we just mentioned. I'm gonna go with Roseanne. Cheers. Oh, it was cheers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The following directors, Derek, were nominated for Best Director in 1989. Okay. okay. Woody Allen for Crimes and Misdemeanors. Yeah. Peter Weir, Dead Poet Society. Oliver Stone, Born on the Fourth of July. Kenneth Branagh for Henry V. And Jim Sheridan for My Left Foot. Which director took home the gold? Wow. Uh, I'm going to go with the biggest name and go with Oliver Stone. That is correct. He won for Born on the Fourth of July. There you go. All right. This 1992 film about a murder investigation was written by Aaron Sorkin and directed by Rob Reiner. However, it got its start as a Broadway play that opened in 1989. Can you name it? Yeah, it was A Few Good Men. Very good. And as a little bit of a note, Tom Cruise's character, remember Lieutenant Junior Grade Daniel Caffey? He was played on Broadway by Tom Hulse. You know oh, from is? Amadeus? Yes, Amadeus and, and Animal House. He was Pinto. And the Nicholson character of Colonel Jessup was played by Stephen Lang. I don't know who that is. He was mostly known for his stage work. Although, Derek, you would know him because he was in um, Avatar. Sure. Colonel Miles Quaritch, whoever the hell that is. You like those kind of movies. All right. We mentioned the TV show Seinfeld. It made its uh, first appearance in 1989. However, yep. when it first debuted... It wasn't called Seinfeld. No, it was not. Derek, what was the original name of the TV show that would become Seinfeld? It was originally called the Seinfeld Chronicles. It was. The original uh, title of the episode was Stand Up, and they changed it to Good News, Bad News, and then finally the Seinfeld Chronicles. All right, last one. In 1989, three of the most important American films ever made were entered into the National Film Registry at the Library of Congress. These films were originally released in 1939, 1941, and 1942, respectively. Can you name any of the three films that were entered into the NFR 
1989. Okay, I'm going to take a wild guess. I, you're going to give me three picks since there were three movies because I, I know I'm going to bomb at least one of them. I'm right. gonna, Again, I have no idea. I'm just wild guessing here. Gone with the Wind. Very good. Yes, Gone with the Wind is one of them. So that was the one from 1939. Any guesses from 1941 or 1942? Two of the second. If you were to ask... Any critic, what are the best American films ever made? These two films would come. Well, I want to say Casablanca. That's the one from 1942. And the other one I was going to say was The Grapes of Wrath. Ooh. No? That was also, that was also entered that year, but it, it, from 1941, a lot of, if you you were to ask a hundred critics, what's the number one American film ever made? They would probably, uh, 99 of them would say this. Number one American movie ever made. Okay, 1941, black and white film, directed by Orson Welles. Oh, uh, oh, Citizen Kane, of course. There you go. go. Need a little bit of help on that one. You did good. Awesome job. Okay, so um, we're gonna pass along our finalized draft list here to our esteemed panel of judges. The judges are so awesome. Um, They're gonna hold a vote and they're gonna determine the winner. And at the beginning of next episode, Derek, we're gonna reveal who the winner is. You tend to believe that you're going to win six to three. I think well, I'm going to win nine zero. I think I've got a chance. I think I have a better yeah. chance this year than I've had in the last two years. So yeah. we'll, see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, do you want to bet on it? Uh, I mean, don't forget. No. <laughs> more important than winning the draft and even having bragging rights, the winner will get the possession of the trophy Funko Fonzie. So that should be good. But uh, next show, we need to take a look at a movie from this draft here from 1989. So, Derek, it's over to you. What movie from the year of 1989 do you want us to go back and watch? And then we're going to review it uh, next time on the podcast. All right. So this movie was in my top six movies, and I it kind of pained me not to take it. Oh, you didn't even take this one. Uh, believe me, I wanted to. I was, you know, uh, but I didn't. And maybe that'll come back to haunt me if I lose badly. But Is I it Weekend it, at Bernie's? No, but that wasn't my list, believe it or not. <laughs> that that and Bill Jet's Excellent Adventure. Both yeah. on the list, but didn't make the cut. Um, I think you might have... I, th- I don't know if you've seen this movie, or I don't think you've seen it in a long, long time. Uh, you just mentioned a minute ago that A Few Good Men was directed by Rob Reiner. This yes. one is from 1989, is also directed by Rob Reiner. Mm. Written by Nora Ephron, starring uh, Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. It is When Harry Met Sally. Ooh, interesting. Interesting, yes. This is that a did come out that year. Great, that, was a, that was a big sensation when it came out, too. It holds up remarkably well, in my opinion. I, I saw it probably in the last year or two since quarantine i've definitely watched this again it, hmm. it there's so much to like about this I, I i think it's great i i again have you ever seen it i've seen parts of it when it first came out um or like a little bit after when it came out on vhs i saw part but i have not seen the whole thing no well i i, I really Rob like enjoy great, it though. i mean Rob i think Reiner's your wife great. i know you and your wife tend to watch these movies together if i don't know if she's seen this before but i think she'll enjoy it there's a lot to like I think this is Billy Crystal's best movie that he's ever made, and I know that's a bold statement. Um, I love it. I think this movie's great, and I can't wait for you to watch it, and I can't wait to talk about it next week. And I'm kind of kicking myself for not picking it in our draft, but mm-hmm. the fact that you didn't pick it makes me feel a little better. Yeah. All right, so we'll come back and watch uh, When Harry Met Sally, and we will review that next week for sure. And until then, this is Chris McBrien on behalf of our producer Sloth, and my co-host Derek Meyer is saying thank you for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations.
Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.